ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the number one podcast in the world, in my ever so humble opinion. You are tuning into Anchored. Anchored is a new ministry of Peoria Christian School where we gather the PCS Bible team to provide biblical commentary on the different claims of the culture. We know that the tides of culture ever change, but the Word of God does not. We need to remain anchored as Christian churches, Christian families, and Christian schools. We need to remain anchored in God's Word. And you are joining us in studio with the two biggest fans of Anchor. That is yours truly, Justin Rumley, and my good friend, Mr. Tom Schlick. You might recognize the name Tom Schlick from our very first episode, where we uh, tackled the the idea and the question of why uh, Christian education. And we uh, dove deep into different statistics. We brought in scripture. We had a a very fruitful conversation as to why millions of parents are choosing Christian education for their students. If you were with us last week, you heard me talk a little bit about shifting worldviews, how the worldviews of uh, our millennial friends are shifting in a unique direction away from those uh, of older generations, how, how that could possibly impact the future American culture and the church culture as well. In fact, in that discussion, we talked about uh, how in Bible classes we are discussing more in depth the idea of worldview and one aspect of worldview and one thing we cherish and prioritize here at Peoria Christian School is the notion and reality of spiritual formation. And in fact, that's why I invited Mr. Schlick to come and join me yet again here on this podcast because we are going to tackle a a very deep and, and at points complex topic, but something that I believe needs to be addressed. Uh, is foundational to anyone's spiritual formation and something that uh, both scripture and even the culture today has a lot to say about. So we're going to be discussing the issue identity. So first and foremost, Mr. Slick, welcome back to Anchored. Hey, good to be back. Thanks. Well, it's good to have you. I'm pretty sure the the, the, the fans loved your first time here and they <laughs> demanded a second dose. So we, we are glad to have you back with us. So I guess let's start at the most basic level in terms of of, uh, we mentioned spiritual formation, worldview, and we're going to discuss identity. At the very basic level, uh, what is identity? Well, I think we all have some intuitions about that, that most people understand it, even though they might not be able to articulate it in any particular way. Uh, but identity is a pretty simple thing to understand. It's basically what we perceive about ourselves and what we uh, want people to perceive us like. And so um, it's all about image. It's about uh, how we are perceived and how we want to be perceived. And there's a formal definition that I've read. It goes something like this. Identity is that sense of being or self-understanding that communicates to others who we are. And it involves uh, setting an agenda for our actions and it frames our acts. And so it, it governs our behavior is the point of that definition. So identity is just the uh, sense of self-understanding that we try to communicate to other people. Okay. Sounds like that is, as you mentioned, the foundation for even our actions, uh, how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive other people, how the culture and those around us, our peers, perceive us. Needless to say, image and identity is very important and something uh, even with the uh, social media and technology and the internet, something that a lot of our activities uh, with one another really revolves around. So I think it's it's clear that uh, that we need to discuss this issue, as I'm sure even working with high schoolers, as both you and I do, and obviously the teachers in middle school and elementary school, working with students, this issue of identity certainly comes up a lot. Now, we were chatting earlier, and you mentioned uh, there were a few different facets to the, the issue of identity. And 
Uh, I believe you mentioned two specific ones that I think the the audience would benefit from knowing a little more about. You talked about the 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 uh, summoning identity, if I recall, or the the summons. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm I'm misquoting you there, and then also the executive identity. So you mentioned these two facets of identity. Can you tell us a little bit more about those facets? Sure. Let me put those in a context before I describe those. That um, when you think about identity. We have some things that um, we're given in our identity, and as Christians, we understand that those are given by God. And some of those things, uh, we had no choice in the matter. Um, so, for instance, um, when I think about my given identity, I realize that uh, I was born into a particular family that I had no choice uh, in the family that I was born into. Um, the, uh, s- the geographic location. So, given identity is really all about the kinds of things that I am born into. A constructed identity is this idea that says, um, these are things that I can add to my givens, and I can choose to do a lot of things with my constructed identity, and that's where we start to get into the idea of image and what I want to portray. Uh, But my givens really form the foundation for my constructed. And so uh, what I have to understand is what are the things that God provides as part of my given identity that is my starting point for my own self-expression and my uh, the actions that I do, the things that I commit myself to, because you find that there are many elements of identity that uh, we have in place, and we may not necessarily be able to define those, but they're pretty clear in all of our thinking. And so, yes, we do have uh, um, an executive self and a summoning self, and it's important for us as Christians to understand that that executive self, by that it means the, the part of my identity that decides what else is going to be included in who I am. And so I've got a particular part of me that will say, I'm, I'm not going to do these things because I've got boundaries set up. And I have an executive self that will say yes to some things and no to other things. And so that's the decision-making part of my identity that really is the trump card in all of my identity. It, it makes the decisions for me. And so as a Christian, my starting point has to be, as we all have in, in humanity, the concept of image-bearing. That because I'm an image-bearer, I know that I have to respond both in my understanding of myself and the treatment of other people with that as a foundation that this person is created in the image of God and so am I. And so I know that I don't own my own body. It doesn't belong to me. It was created by God for his purposes. And so it has a huge defining force. So that's the executive self, the defining self, the thing that part part of me where it decides about other things that come into my life. And then the summoning self is really just a picture of the kinds of things that are out there to call me to their understanding of identity and image. And so I have lots of things summoning me to look a certain way, act a certain way, live a certain way. And that's the summoning self. And so those are very important parts of identity that we've got to grapple with and understand. When you first brought that up to me, it was both initially surprising to me to realize that I oftentimes oversimplify the topic of identity. Mm. It's easy uh, for myself, just think, okay, you know, identity is how you see yourself and then move on. But as you really brought forth from, from just, I know your research and experience, uh, there are so many other facets that are so easy seemingly to overlook or leave kind of in our, our subconscious so that right. we, yeah. we don't fully realize we're doing it. And I think especially as Christians, as you alluded to, uh, we need to be intentional and of course, biblical about all these different facets. And so I think maybe a good productive way to uh, help continue this conversation with me, uh, maybe to provide some examples of, of kind of what you were just describing. So Okay. So uh, when, when you think about identity, there are um, uh, different writers have defined it a different way, but I'm, I'm referring to uh, an author that I 
became acquainted with who started with a lecture series at a uh, seminary in the South. And uh, from that lecture series, he produced a number of articles for a theological quarterly. And so that's when I first encountered the information. And he talks about elements of identity, and that's how he classifies it. And he gives us eight or nine of these. And so he starts with our, uh, an element that's called the, the physical or psychological characteristics. And so for me, I realize that I am a 63-year-old male and uh, that uh, that's my physical characteristics. And I have psychological characteristics, a sense of humor, an understanding of rights and wrongs that are part of my um, humanity. And so I, I realize that those kinds of things are part of my physical and psychological characteristics. Some of those I can work at, and so I can work to improve some of the physical things that I have. And so, you know, we, we do things to improve our health and to exercise and uh, to look better, and those are all legitimate and good things. So, so those are physical and psychological characteristics, and that's an area where the culture really works hard at trying to redefine us so that we will spend our money on things they want us to buy. And and so that's a, a very tenuous area that we as Christians better grab a hold of because it's it's an uh, an enemy out there just trying to pull us away from uh, understanding who we are before God. So there's physical and psychological characteristics. And then you have um, uh, histories. And so all of us have uh, histories that we have gone through, things that we experiences, um, things that we've gone through that have contributed to um, just our well-being, um, to our experience. And those histories, um, if we're not careful, can become too defining so that we, if they're, for instance, a terrible thing that happened in our past, um, that can contribute to our walk with God, but it can also damage our walk with God if we become um, the kind of person that is uh, just a perpetual victim. And so we have challenges with um, what we've experienced in the past, um, the family that we grew up in and the things that we experienced as a child, the difficulties that we've gone through in life. All those things are part of our histories, and those shape us, not only at the time, but in the future, because we are tied to our histories. And some things that we can't escape, but we can grow through those. Um, so you have um, physical and psychological characteristics, you have histories, you have boundaries. And so we all have boundaries that will help define us. There will be things that you and I would say, that's a boundary I'm not going to cross because I'm a Christian. My executive self is telling me this is wrong because I'm using a reference point in Scripture that helps me define right and wrong. Therefore, I have this boundary. I'm not going there because I'm a Christian. That's my executive self ignoring a summoning self that's going to call me to a behavior that's not honoring God. Why? Because I've got boundaries. And so that's part of my identity, the boundaries that I, I make as part of my identity. Um, I also have commitments, things that I realize that I am going to dedicate myself to, purpose in life, if you will. And so with commitments, I realize, again, my starting point is image-bearing Christian who has the revelation of God to guide me in my commitments. And so I can experience lots of wonderful things, but my ultimate commitment has to be for the glory of God and all that that means. And so whatever I do has to add weight to my claims about who I am as a Christian. Therefore, it glorifies God. And so I have boundaries, I have commitments, um, I have an internal sense of uh, self-understanding, and that, that's another way that he classifies it in his article is the mind. And so my mind is part of my identity, the way that I think, the way that I understand things. And so the mind is a huge, huge part of that, and I have a Christian mind. That means my thinking has been redeemed, and it's set on a path of uh, discipleship so that I'm following Christ and his imperatives instead of my own. And so I have um, the mind of Christ I'm seeking. And, you know, we know that Scripture speaks a lot about the mind. And so I've got uh, all those kinds of things, that the ongoing process of change. 
you can imagine that if any group of students that we have in the classroom that we could fast forward time and uh, then bring them back into the classroom, they would probably sit there and look around the room and not be able to identify who that is because that was 30 years ago and boy have they changed. So we're all facing change and that's part of our life and how we respond to that. And that's an identity element that I know that there's going to be change and some change is good and some change is challenging. But my ability to respond and to process change so that I reflect Christ in that is the responsibility of a Christian. So there's this ongoing process of change. My sense of the future. Um, we both understand that there is a, a future for all of us. And as Christians, we understand um, that there is a future that God has called us to that is an eternity that is provided for us in his presence because of the work of Christ. And so I face death and disease with a different understanding. And my identity has some security based on what I know about Christ and his word. And so you can see how these things all begin to mesh together. So those eight elements, and I haven't given all of them to you, but those kinds of things are the things that really shape our understanding of the executive self and the summoning self. And so getting that first point, executive self, is really the key to processing all of the rest. Yeah, that was, that was very informative and I think beneficial. In fact, while you were going through those examples, I kind of did a self-examination <laughs> myself. And I bet even our listeners, it just took a few minutes and just listened to what Tom was saying there, you can suddenly start to see that, wow, there are a lot of different factors that yeah. go into one's identity, uh, some of which you may not even be necessarily aware of, but once you start looking into it, it's like, wow, that has a big impact. Uh, you know, even going back to what we talked about, your your age, your uh, ethnic background, your gender, your uh, geographical location mm -hmm. adds to it, the language you speak, the culture, the the, the different histories of your family history, your your own choices you've made just right. in the years you've been, all these different, going to even the boundaries of your religion affects your identity. So many of these different factors. And I think oftentimes our culture tries to oversimplify and create this uh, artificial mirage that we are self-defining. Hmm. And boy, just hearing you discuss just a small part of those facets. And you talked about, you could probably go on for so much longer <laughs> talking about all the different sure. details and ingredients that go into identity. And that's why I think now would be a good time to transition a little bit to, and you alluded to maybe some negative ways the culture summons us in terms of identity. But I guess my fear is, is that especially maybe in our current American culture, that, that seemingly that desire and that pressure to self-identify to uh, you know, reinvent yourself on the basis of your own uh, understanding. I guess, Tom, you've been around for a while, and that's a good thing. Uh, you've been around and you've experienced the changes in our cultures. What are some ways you've observed? Maybe if you could speak to one of your students right now, what are some ways you can say, here is an example where the culture is summoning you, but is something based on the authority of the Christian worldview. We need to make an executive decision. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, let me uh, put it within the context of Christian education, if I can, because I, uh, one of the things that I hope that our folks are uh, coming to understand is that we are pretty passionate about Christian education because we understand the significant place that it can play in a family's um, efforts to try to rear their children for Christ. And so um, just using one of those facets, histories. Um, I only mentioned this concept of uh, the negative histories or the things that we experienced that could be good or bad, but the, the kinds of things that we've had happen in the past. But right now, you and I are, are creating tomorrow's history. 
And so I think about with my students or with my uh, family members, with my grandchildren, that I have an opportunity to feed into this particular identity element so that this will contribute to how they understand themselves. And so to have certain rituals in my family, uh, family worship time, faithful church attendance, uh, attendance, um, service, so many elements in the spiritual formation process that I can include in their current experiences so that they will have a history behind them that will contribute to their future identity. So it's not merely about the idea of trying to survive in the now. I've got to plan because I have a sense of the future, which is another identity element. I've got to plan my activities and my um, uh, passions and my interests now so that I move my children towards Christ-likeness in the future. And so having discussions with my children and my grandchildren about the issues of life. Uh, when a, a, a peer at school mistreats one of my grandchildren, how do I help them through that process so that they will be able to um, draw upon some resources that they've learned in the future from the things I taught them now? And so that might be, who am I in Christ? And uh, because they called me a name, am I going to now feel sorry about my, about that? Well, sure. Am I going to let it govern how I treat them? Well, I've got to fight that because I don't want to treat them like they've treated me. And Justin, I found that often in our walks with God, sometimes we become like the very things that we despise the most. <laughs> and so working on this histories element to, to say the world is constantly wanting us to maybe think about the future all the time without considering our histories and then realizing that our current activities are going to be our histories in the future. So let's really work hard at this. I appreciate the reminder that we affect other people's histories. We affect their identities. And in fact, in one sense, what we choose today affects our tomorrow self's history, mm -hmm. right? Is what you're sure referencing. Does. And you can even, I'm sure you can look at your own life right now and think, what decisions you made 5, 10, 15 years ago could be, obviously, it could be big decisions like a spouse, mm -hmm. like a career. I sure. mean, we find identity in what we do. So the the fact back, and I think it was 1981, you said you began Christian education. Sure, as a vocation, yes. Yes, as a vocation, absolutely. And you, that was a turning point for you in terms of your identity, in a sense. Here you are, 2019. And you are continuing that passion. The same sense for our listeners, whatever your vocation is, maybe uh, whatever your family situation is, there were decisions we made that ultimately affected our identity and therefore impacted others' identities as well. And suddenly now I feel like I'm going to go home and start overthinking every decision uh, in concern for my future self. But uh, in all seriousness, that's I, I think what you said is spot on and, and biblical and just being aware and intentional will go such a long way uh, in terms of how we impact our future and other uh, others' future as well. And even just thinking, too, in my mind of what ways does our, our culture, in a sense, summons us away from maybe a biblical identity. I can't help but, but think of a few things come to mind specifically. And, and some of these, you could say that there can be biblical application, but I think in, in a broader sense, we are consistently talking about the American dream. In, in our in our American culture. And of course, we can certainly apply that type of concept within biblical boundaries mm -hmm. and thrive and glorify God and our families, uh, encapsulating what uh, can be called the American dream. But I think oftentimes, too, uh, sometimes that can be uh, maybe misunderstood to be a very materialistic type perspective where uh, how much money one's ma one makes, where one lives, how much uh, possessions one can have feeds into 
their their value in terms of their identity and the idea of are you uh, succeeding in the quote unquote American dream or are you not? And we see this even the culture has an ideal physical body type you should be and it tries to summons you need to buy this project you need to, product you need to get this membership at this gym and strive to fit this mold and uh, sometimes it's easy to overlook to a degree and all those things are image things um, so this is how appearance has to be and, and we need to make sure that we understand the difference between identity and image because image is a projection of what I want to be and I often buy that by the summons of other people to say okay I want to look like that and as Christians, we are called to look like one person and one person only, and that's Jesus Christ. And so he expects us to be icons of him, and he is the icon of God in Scripture. We, you know, we, we understand the language, and we realize that that's the words that are there. And so here we have relationships in the context of relationships, and that's why Christian education is so important. Because remember in the timelines that we talked about last time, that we have a time involved where kids are going to reach a place where they already have things settled in their minds and it's going to be real hard. This starts to become part of their core beliefs, which is a whole other discussion. But these things become so central to their identity that it will take some major things to change how they view things. And so if we don't get them by the time of their age 9 or 13 for these different things that we're talking about, uh, then it's going to be a real difficult battle. And so we've got to make sure that we put them in places where these relationships are going to nurture the very things that we say we value. Um, it's probably time for a lot of us to put m our money where our mouth is about what we say we really believe, because I think that we can be a lot like practical atheists, and uh, we may not be living as Christ-like as we'd like people to believe, and that might be part of our image-making too. So we, we have to examine our hearts constantly to understand where we are in this process of identity formation. So um, Worship is an identity maintenance activity. And at PCS, we're all about maintenance of identity and identity construction. We're trying to shape them to be like Christ and to reflect Christ in everything that they do. And this environment gives us live with opportunities. Every single day, we're living with these kids and living with one another. And we have conflict. We have difficulties. We have trials that we face. We have disagreements that we have to work through. But all of those are within the context of the same executive self saying, we submit to God. And so I would much rather have that than any other place during this time in my grandchildren's life to say they are here where all of this can take place in this context because we are working together with churches and with families to move their kids in Christ's likeness. And that's our passion, and that's what we're trying to improve every single day. And, and so it's a constant work in progress. I think what you said is one of the unique and valuable aspects of Peoria Christian School, and specifically uh, Christian education in general. I hope you, uh, the listener, caught the, the passion, the intentionality, and the, the commitment Tom has to ensuring the students who interact with Tom and in this school understand uh, where they need to be in terms of identity and who they need to be like. And that's what I appreciate about Christian education. We recognize biblically, as you point out, Jesus is the icon of God. He is uh, God in bodily form. And the fact that he's human means he's someone we can, uh, in a sense, strive to match, strive to look like. In fact, a common saying in Scripture of, the idea of the Spirit of God is conforming us to the image mm -hmm. of Christ. And you, you mentioned, too, the idea of different timetables. You're, 
if, if you're a parent listening, not to, uh, to Russia, but there, there's a, a clock ticking away here where, in essence, as more time passes, uh, your child or your student is, is being formed. Uh, the idea of uh, formation isn't optional. The question is, who is forming them and what are they being conformed too. And I remember even eight years old being mm-hmm. a threshold. Yep. Right there in elementary school and earlier, the idea that even by eight, fundamental and foundational aspects of who they will be are uh, in the process of being formed. And, and, and you want it to be conformed and formed in a right biblical place. And here at PCS, throughout all their education, that is a priority, something we value, and even the maintenance of that, not just talking a good talk and saying good luck, but also walking that walk in terms of exemplifying it as a staff and leadership in terms of uh, doing our best in a biblical way to correct things when they go astray, and of course, to maintain and form that strong sense of biblical identity, starting uh, as young as we can in order to send them out in order to do that same exact thing for the rest of their lives. And I think any parent out there, that would be something that they would be encouraged by. Yes, yeah, that's our hope. <laughs> that's our hope and desire. Yeah. A- amen. Amen. So with that, Tom, we have a, a, just a few more minutes left in this episode, and uh, we're going to uh, carry this over into a okay. second episode because I believe there's a lot of content here. We Honestly, we just scratched <laughs> the, the surface to a degree. Sure. And trust me, I've had a lot of conversations with Tom, and this is just the surface. So there's a lot of good things we still need to get to. So I guess in our final minutes here, Tom, is there any uh, uh, final way you can kind of briefly summarize and wrap up uh, what we discussed today? Well, I, I think that uh, if our folks can grasp the idea that um, identity formation is a very important part of our spiritual formation, that we we have to help shape uh, a person's self-understanding. And for Christians, we have to be able to help uh, our children and our grandchildren understand that um, the executive self, the, the self that says, this is who I'm yielding to, is has got to be Christ. Um, the world is trying to pull that away. And, and so it's the idea of independence, autonomy, those kinds of things. It's like, I make my decisions. This is my body. I get to do with my body whatever I want to do with it and to it. And, and I, I'm understanding enough to realize that even the world will tell me I can't do that. Uh, the police will tell me you can't do to your body, with your body, whatever you want. Um, I can't use my body to drive 70 miles an hour in a 55 zone. Uh, I'm not supposed to do that. Why? Because somebody restricts me. So I'm not free to do that. I understand that. But the state is not my standard. God is my standard. And that causes me to yield to the state. And so I've got all of these relationships that are playing in. And so the executive self, that part of my self that's going to submit, yield, has got to be Christ. It's got to be God. And and so a Christian school is a place where I know that that work is being done with me as a member of a church, as a parent, as a grandparent, that they're my allies. And relationships is another one of those elements I didn't mention earlier, but the relationships are a key part of how we grow. You guys know, everybody knows the impact of peers. And uh, even in a Christian school, you'll have people that are their peers that we don't want them to hang around because they're not following Christ. And and so to have uh, the staff, the administration there to help us nurture the right kind of relationship, relationships is really important. And so uh, that's key, the executive self. Well said, absolutely. What 
good reminders, but also I think everyone, including myself, can say we learned something new today, and we have so much more to go into, so much more to discuss, talk about, and I'm sure we'll dive into, of course, more uh, biblical realities, of course, next time. And you know what, Tom, I think you can agree uh, when you say an important part of identity, uh, especially for our listeners, is being a fan of Anchored. I think that <laughs> yes. is a fundamental, foundational part of of, 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 of a good identity there. And guess what? We're glad that's part of your identity and that you joined us in this conversation. I, I can speak with, with Tom here and saying you won't regret joining us next time for an additional conversation on this very topic. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're glad we could hang out with you just for a little bit today, and we look forward to seeing you next time on Anchor.